0: Hey, Brian. Uh, welcome back to the program, sir. Uh, thanks for having me back, even though I think our uh, first one got <laughs> lost in the weeds. I was going to say that. You know you sent me that message, and, and I
1: have no idea what happened. So years ago, Brian and I sat down to record an episode, and it was probably well before post-status, right?
0: I think? Uh, before the club, probably, or yeah. maybe right around when it launched.
1: Right around, the, right around the launch, and I have no idea what happened. I do know that Back then, I had an editor uh, for the podcast. Uh, I had uh, a guy The blame game. (laughs) I had a guy doing uh, some audio production for me, and my workflow was something like upload things to S3, send him an email, share a Google Doc, um, and then post it to Trello. And some some of this stuff was automated with Zapier. So I don't know what happened. But the great thing is we're going to talk about some of that stuff today.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's all right. You know... Even if it's not broadcast to the world, uh, a few minutes spent with you is a good time. That's right. Um, so, Brian, for folks who don't know
1: who you are and what you do, give us the, uh, the two-minute elevator pitch. What's going on in your life?
0: I'm a WordPress developer of sorts. Um, I did client work for several years, and I now work for myself. This is actually my first time working for myself in the past, I guess it's been a little over a year and a half now um, and that is running the post status membership club, which is my full-time job. I do, uh, news and information for WordPress professionals. Is kind of the way I gear it. And it's a uh, WordPress membership site that, um, I write on and there are a variety of other features. So there's a community component through Slack and things like that. And, uh, my day to day is definitely spent talking to people and, uh, writing and, doing administrative work and customer support all that kind of stuff so uh, I've been doing that for about a year and a half now and it's been a lot of fun
1: it's interesting that you and I've heard you say this on other podcasts and uh, just talking to other people at word camps and whatnot. you still open yourself up as a wordpress developer not sort of jur- <laughs> <laughs> journalist or or you know entrepreneur in the in the sense what why is that are you, are you doing still are you still doing development for sort of clients too,
0: and and, and managing the post status Uh. No, I do like calling it the post status, though. That's fine. Um, <laughs> so, I guess I call myself that because it's my best way to get across kind of my point of view in terms of what people should expect when I'm writing. Um, in terms of design and development, I've never been a full-time designer, but I design all my own stuff. So, I guess in a way, I'm a designer. I mean, also, I like—I'm really into user experience stuff. So. I'm a web person and the uh, I I was a developer in terms of what my role was at companies. Um, the last place I worked was a real small company and I did a lot of operations stuff. I've also, prior to WordPress stuff, I did project management and like engineering sales, so like technical sales and project management. Um, but I feel like just saying I'm a WordPress developer is easy. <laughs> and. I still do uh, some development for post status features. And then I've done one kind of quasi client project per year the last two years just to kind of make sure it's something I'm still capable of uh, and to stay sharp and whatnot. I'm actually starting one uh, right now and I'm not charging for it. It's a nonprofit, it's my church. Um, Just to, you know, a way to keep sharp and get back a little bit of that kind of stuff. So awesome. it's it's not really a need as much as I uh, want to make sure that I'm in a position to be able to talk about what I'm doing and all that.
1: Yeah. Um, when you started the, uh, the journey into making money by writing WordPress news, <laughs> which was <laughs> maybe about a year, like you said, a year and a half, maybe two years ago, um, some folks that are out there, sort of look at that and go, oh my God, is, is there any money in that? Can you actually make a living uh, with that? Recently, another popular WordPress blog, WP Lyft, uh, was acquired by a gentleman named Dan Toll, or Don Toll, uh, who actually airs today uh, on the Matt Report, if I can push it out the door. Uh, I had the chance to sit down and, and interview him and talk about um, how he purchased that blog for around 200,000 US dollars. Uh, Mm -hmm. have you been surprised in either pleasantly or negatively (laughs) from your, from your start of making a living writing and creating WordPress content? Uh, has, has this journey been a success so far for you?
0: Yeah, it's definitely been a success. I would say I've been kind of on track with regards to what my one year and two year goals, uh, have been, um, for my year one, it was revenue wise uh, a higher year of revenue than I had made previously. Mm-hmm. Um, however, revenue when you're managing your own business and spending more money in terms of kind of all the things that you have to do um, doesn't necessarily equate to net revenue. So, net revenue, I did not make as much as years before, but it was well within. Um, what I was prepared for. So I only paid myself and I'm in the U S and mid market, you know, Birmingham, Alabama is not like New York city. Um, but it's more expensive than a lot of countries, I guess. Um, so I only paid myself and I'm thankful I have a wife that makes a a great income. So, you know, if all else fails, we could probably just live on her income. So I paid myself for the first year, $2,500 a month net. Um, so that was a huge pay cut for me from a net perspective. It' was thirty thousand dollars after taxes. Um, and then it turned out in year one, my post expense post everything net revenue was like fifty three fifty five thousand dollars, something like that from the post status side. Um, so, and that was based on about a hundred thousand dollars income and about ninety thousand ninety one thousand dollars from post status. nice. so. Revenue-wise, I felt like that was you know reasonable for year one, where you have to get every customer to pay you. You know, it's a membership site. Sure. Um, And thankfully, with recurring revenue, uh, as long as your renewal rate is better than uh, your renewal rate plus your new member rate is better than the the people that do not renew, then you make more year more money the next year than you did last year. So, um, because I had a significant enough safety net above that little, uh, you know, that gap I had between what I was paying myself month to month and what I made, then I was able to give myself a raise this year. Sure. (laughs) But, um, you know, so I consider, I, I try to treat it like it's a real job and I have a paycheck and then I have a business account that has a balance in it, you know? And then, and one of the fun things I've learned is just what you have to pay attention to when you are self-employed, which is, you know, paying quarterly taxes and Uh, managing your expenses and managing contractors that work with you and all those things. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been totally successful and within um, what I was hoping for. And my goal all along has been a thousand members after two years. And I probably have to pick it up a little bit in order to get there. I'm around 700 members right now and uh, I've got about six months to go. So technically I'm on track, but you know, over time, you hit more saturation, like more people know about what you're doing and yet have either chosen to join or not join. So you have to make more, provide more incentives or give a better marketing pitch or something like that. And I really haven't done a great job of that. I just rely on current members like yourself, uh, you know, telling people around them whether it's a good deal or a bad deal. So hopefully they say it's a good deal, which means that I'm doing something right. So now that we're sort of neck deep
1: in your success and we're like Uncle Scrooge swimming in the, the pile of gold coins, <laughs> um, let's, t- let's take a step back because folks here, uh, you know, let's just do a quick recap. Let's say we're roughly at $100,000 in revenue and we're um, we a WordPress publishing company, right? We're writing about WordPress, we're doing what we love uh, and uh, we're growing a community. For a lot of folks, that's that's the end game. Like they would love to be at you know, in that position. How, let's take a step back from day one. How did you sort of just map out or bullet point the milestones that you had, right, to, for, for growing the revenue so you could support yourself, you could pay yourself the 30,000 net, you could hire other people, you could spend money on hosting and, and writers and stuff like that or editors. Um, how did you bullet point that and sort of roadmap map that to achieve those goals, just to give somebody a base on what maybe they should expect and and maybe outline how they should approach, maybe they wanna start a WordPress blog and, and make some money from it as well.
0: Sure, I mean for everybody it's different. I would say I was able to start the membership site and I already had um, somewhat of a following of people that at least w- t- would read stuff when I published it and um, based on some blog posts where I was talking about the future post status, I had some idea that some people would subscribe. And I, I was basically under the feeling like, okay, well, if I can get a hundred people to become members, then it's worthwhile to do it for the whole first year. <laughs> and if uh, if I get like two hundred and fifty, then it's viable. And you know, I just set these kind of arbitrary goals based on what I thought was possible. Um, I actually think the market, in terms of who I could get, is probably in the several thousands num- number, like maybe two, three, four thousand people that. Uh, I think could benefit from this or maybe more, but that's like my long-term might convert type of number. Um, In terms of how I got to the dollar value, uh, I mean, it was pretty much like, what do I feel like I need in order to do this and justify this instead of doing client work? Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a market out there for people that do the type of work that I do, uh, building WordPress websites. But I find joy and um value doing what I do, which is, you know, working relationships that I have and being able to take uh, insights and information from business owners like you and other people and distribute that to uh, other business owners, designers, developers, people involved in the WordPress community. And I just find so much joy in that, that it was worth at least for a temporary pay cut of sorts, you know, to see is this viable? Because prior to me doing this, really the only way people monetized, uh, WordPress news. And I, I hesitate to use the term WordPress news cause I try to make it more than news, like things for the day. I really try to make it stuff that's going to improve people's, um, position being in a WordPress business, got it. um, their knowledge base. And, um, you know, I just, uh, <laughs> so you got to figure out like, what can I, what's the lowest amount that I can make and make this worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And, um, my partners, the corporate partners that I signed up, I did this, this, uh, $2,500 per partner and I limited it to a dozen partners. So at $30,000 was kind of like my, uh, my little lifeboat, um, of if all else fails, that's obviously a few months worth of revenue, uh, that can, you know, let me see if this is going to work. So that was really helpful, having this two-sided approach between memberships and partners. Um, But prior, like I was saying, people really only did this type of work either with a benefactor, so whether it's Matt Mullenweg or a hosting company or whatever that was essentially funding a project that doesn't directly make money, Mm -hmm. or uh, people like WP Lyft that do a mix of news reviews and whatnot, and uh, they make a lot of money in terms of uh, affiliate income or paid reviews and stuff like that, and I've never done affiliate income or paid reviews or anything like that because I felt like it it allows me to be more objective if I uh, have my readers pay me um, rather than um, you know base it off of how many affiliate sales I can get. Um, and so far, it's it's worked. You know, it's worked well enough. Like there are certainly a lot of blogs making a lot more money than me. Um, but you know, I'm able to do it where in in the WordPress space, you mean in the WordPress space, okay, I'm able to do it in a way that, um, I'm accountable to my readers and members. Um, and that's it. And the reason I went with 12 partners rather than say one partner for $30,000 or something like that is because I also didn't want to be beholden to any one company, um, as an advertiser, you know, I can't separate editorial and business like a classic newspaper would. Sure. Um, they all negotiate with me, but if I make one partner mad enough with a post, cause I'm not going to hold back just cause there's a partner. Right. Fortunately, there's 11 others. And if they, you know, don't want to respect my editorial independence, then they can have their money back and there's people that will take their place. Right. So, um, fortunately that hasn't been a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's mostly nice people in our space.
1: I, I, so I, and I want to get back to some of these bullet points that you, that you mentioned, but one of the things that I just want to riff on for a little bit is when you and I look at, and I say you and I because some of our content is crossover, but when we look at, <clears throat> or when I look at anyway, like traditional Silicon Valley or big business, um, big partnership deals, advertising deals, in other spaces, like let's say again, traditional uh, Silicon Valley, Businesses are so big that publishers can move from partner to partner without sort of the concern that you and I have for offending people right in this in this <laughs> space, which which I don't know, it's it's good and bad. And I don't really have a concise sort of uh, uh, conclusion to all of this stuff, but I, I almost want to say is. Number 1 our, our marketplace our space is big like there's money to be made here but at the same mm-hmm. time it's small like you said you have 12 partners and you're still trying to play um I don't know lack of a better word you're still trying to play nice in between all I mean I, mean, I know you're not but you, but the idea is yeah you and I still don't want to offend people like especially hosting companies and and all that fun stuff um You always
0: want to be respectful of the people in your industry either way. Right. Um, My bigger reason for um, the way that I handle editorial is I want to be able to cover the story I'm covering right now and have access to cover the next story. Mm -hmm. um, Probably more so than protecting partnerships. You know, if I had to, I could go no partners and be members only paying, and I'd probably raise the price a little bit, and I might – not see really any difference in revenue. I don't know. Right. But I, I like having partners. Um, however, I do tend to cover those partners a lot because um, the people that can afford to pay for partnership, advertising, things like that, tend to be the bigger players in the space. Right. Um, in the first year, I actually decided not to uh, allow – any host be a partner? I didn't invite any hosts to be partners, so it actually limited even more in terms of companies big enough to, you know, shell out $2,500 without knowing what value they'd get out of it. Right. um This time around, I invited my own host to be a partner, so like it was a, it was easy, still pretty justifiable for me because it's like I get asked who I host with a lot, so I was like, eh, whatever. If I can tell who I host with, I can invite them to be a partner as well, and. Um, so that that worked out, and you know, I didn't get any blowback like I might have been afraid of. And I think a lot of times our fears in terms of what people will respond to, in terms of who's paying the bills or whatever, are a little overblown. Um, yes, and you know, so far it's worked out.
1: Yeah, but. I mean, and that, and that's the thing, and, and we see, and I see this all the time. There are people, uh, not to go down this. Uh, dark rabbit hole, but there are people that complain about, you know, pop up ads or, you know, ads on mobile or just ads in general. And I'm one of them. Like if you go to the verge and you try to read an article on your mobile phone, it's like playing whack a mole because the pages keeps loading down <laughs> and down. You're like, Oh, here's another ad. You're trying to get to the content. Um, but you know, at the same time we have to make some money here, right? We have to make Somebody has to pay the bills, um, short of, you know, in your case, having uh, membership uh, members that are actually paying that. Um, yeah. You know, go go ahead if you were going to say something. I
0: was just going to say, I mean, our little tiny space in the world is so much different, though. I mean, I don't provide any data to partners in terms of like uh, how well their advertising is doing. It's most of them, even though I try really hard to provide value for them. Um, most of my partners probably c- consider it much like a WordCamp sponsorship in terms of supporting the community and supporting the work that I'm doing and being a independent resource to provide information to other people. And hopefully that has some positive benefits for them. Um, and I'd love to say that I give every dollar value back and I'm sure for some partners it works out that way, but for some others it may not. And, um, you know, that's it. it Advertising is so complicated and difficult to figure out whether something was worth it even if you're doing a lot of data tracking um, but I don't do any of the type of data tracking that the much more cutthroat uh, broader digital uh publishing world does and I'm glad that I don't have to
1: yeah and, and I'm glad you brought I'm glad you brought that point up about tracking and performance uh, because I too uh, agree that in our space there's not you know and i'm sure you've had this before right you there are hosting companies that are out there that say hey we'd love to sponsor your podcast or your your website and i've had this come up before where they say, "Yeah, we love to do this. We love to do this partnership," and I'm like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll entertain it. The dollars seem pretty good." And then they send you like this, you know, legalese of 50 pages, and it's, you know, it, what are the stats? Uh, make sure that your read is word for word exact. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I don't want to partner with you, not because of, not because I want to be beholden to share this data with you, um, but in this space, in the WordPress space. I mean, it's so word of mouth. Uh, it's so much I trust this other person and, and how they build their sites and how they serve their clients that I will take their recommendation word, uh, sort of word of mouth again, and mm-hmm. and 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 that's big in this in this space. And guess what? We can't track that. Um, you know, all I know is. It, it, that's how it plays out in this space I, I don't know any other way to say it and there is no data tracking capability of that not yet anyway uh, not until we have little rfid chips in our brains uh, for folks to sort of scan uh, but that's for another conversation one of the mm-hmm. things that um, you mentioned before which i want to make sure that people sort of fully understand is this wasn't you know again i'll just throw the round number out there hundred thousand dollars per year uh writing content People say, wow, that's amazing, right? And I had to sort of talk uh, with Dan about WP Lyft. You know, oh, my God, a blog sold for $200,000. That's crazy. Um, can't believe that that's how much that was worth. People don't realize that you've been doing this for years prior, right? This isn't like your first rodeo and you showed up and, you know, you walked away with your with your Tesla. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, you, you've been doing it for years. So just quickly, like, what was the background of, of your editorial uh, journey before this.
0: Sure. I launched the membership component on January 21st, 2015. So a year and a half ago, almost exactly. Um, but I launched Post Status on January 21st, 2013, I think. Yep. Um, so on the two-year anniversary of my personal website, or you know, WordPress website, I launched the paid component. So for two years, um, there was really no monetization Uh, one of those years I had a partner that uh, I charged like $500 a month so it basically covered the cost of the platform and maybe a little bit on top of that for my time but not really Um, so I was really not monetizing at all for those two years and then the uh, I've been writing about WordPress in a capacity similar to what I'm doing now since uh, early 2010 So that was like five years of paying my dues, building relationships and um, readership and all that stuff before I tried to monetize it. So it was not an overnight like, oh, look at that. (laughs) You know, they have all these members. Uh, It was it was a lot of work that I put in. And, um, you know, it, it all started just with writing about what I was learning when I was trying to become a full time WordPress developer myself. And I was still uh, working in a completely different industry. And I just decided to share what I was learning and very gradually started to get to know some of the people behind the companies that I was writing about. Um, and I didn't ever really do much tutorial stuff. The avenue that I did a couple of years of writing before I started Post Status was through WP Candy, which was a site uh, similar to Poststatus, WP Tavern, whatever you want to compare it to. Um, and I just was writing for free um and learning and building a network so um you know that's what it takes a lot of times you just got to do stuff put it out there and and build up your own reputation let people decide like hey i'm going to trust what this person's writing about for this and this reason and uh and then eventually you can turn that into some sort of monetization component whether you start a podcast and have uh you know thousand dollar ad buys like you do on that report uh, <laughs> <laughs> or whether it's uh you know starting a, a membership site or a course or maybe you decide to advertise your theme business through your writing um honestly I think there are a lot of ways to monetize websites and direct advertising is one of the most difficult in yep. order to to do it with there, I I don't know if people in in your network are familiar with uh, Bill Simmons, and what he's done. Uh, he's the guy from Grantland. He also created Thirty for Thirty. Very creative person. Always created great content. Um, but after he had his fallout with ESPN, he started his own thing, and it's the Bill Simmons Network. And he's essentially been funding his uh, the Ringer publication, which is the text component through his podcasts. And he had a huge audience because he's done decades of great content and built a following, but, um, he's still hardly monetizing through direct ads. He's monetizing through his podcast and he'll probably monetize through events and other things like that. And I, I think if you follow people that are talking about how to monetize digital publishing, and if you've seen the people that are doing it, um, direct ads is just a part of it, you know, affiliate stuff and, and podcast advertising and all these other things, tend to be more valuable. And for me, I chose the, uh, membership route, the subscription route with a partner component. And I direct, I call it partner, not just to be cheesy, but, um, you know, I can't separate myself from the companies that are advertising. So I invited companies that I trust and that I believe in and that I am proud to have as, you know, corporate partners. So it's a recommendation. It's not an affiliate thing. It's just a a recommendation and they're paying me a flat fee for being on that list and I promote them in whatever capacity I have available to me whether it's through uh the newsletter through advertisements on the website or readouts on the podcast whatever um and it's it's worked out well so uh pretty well so far um but you know I've scaled it to approximately one person and two contractors <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in the broader world, it's much more difficult. There are people that are doing it. The information is a fascinating uh publication because they have a significant staff and their subscription based website and I do think subscriptions are going to be a bigger component to digital publication in the future than they are now um But there's just not a lot of evidence of it working really well. And the people that it is working well for are pretty differentiated from other options in their space. Um, Another awesome example is Ben Thompson writes about technology on Stratechery. Um, And I know the last time he said how many members he had, it was like 3,000 that uh, pay $100 a year. So uh, he's probably one of the better paid writers out there. Um, because I'm sure he has more than 3000 now, but he puts out incredibly good content in terms of what he's writing about, even though the topics are similar to what every top tech blog has. Like I know when I open an email from Ben Thompson that I'm going to gain value out of what he's writing, um, that I probably won't be able to gain without searching really hard. Um, outside uh, of his emails and if you can differentiate yourself and I don't care whether it's about WordPress or about technology it could be about yard work or gardening or in, in, like anything home building I think if people can figure out a way to differentiate the content that they're putting out there then they can figure out a way to sell that information and sell that knowledge whether through it's a, whether it's a subscription or a course or an ebook or or however they decide to do that and I think that um, it's a very rewarding way to make a living.
1: I totally agree. One thing I want to just mention: yes, Bill Simmons is actually uh, one hour away from me uh, in my home state of Massachusetts. Yeah, maybe he doesn't own the house there anymore, but it was Marlboro, Mass. Yeah, he uh, lives in L.A. now. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm but, sure he does. <laughs> but he's
0: he's a total Boston sports homer, yeah. which is disgusting. To yeah,
1: me. <laughs> I love it. Um, but one thing you brought up, and I want to mention as well, is partnerships, uh, the corporate sponsors, uh, the advertisers. One of the things that I feel, and I'm sure you feel the same way, and you've sort of been alluding to it all this time, is in this space, you know, again, just throwing it out there, it's hard to track the data, hard to track the value um, that partners would get with folks like you and I. One thing that I feel is so near and dear to my heart is really taking care of people who decide to part with $2,500 Twenty five hundred bucks a month, or a thousand bucks for uh, po- uh, podcast sponsorship, and really sort of making it uh, the value coming from sort of the way that you present them, and and not in like a, a tricky fashion, but you know really support what they're doing. It's almost like you're you're not going to take any partner number one, right? Somebody comes knocking mm-hmm. on your door, and they I got this great page builder. Uh, Can you, you know, promote me for, you know, 5,000 bucks? No, you want to make sure that one, they give back to the community, they're a straightforward company, um, you know, and they've got a great, uh, a good to good to great product uh, that they put out. Um, But it's also, I feel some responsibility on folks like you and I to really, you know, take care of the advertisers, not just take their money and say, ha ha, you'll never find out where this went. Um, But to really take care of them, because I feel like so many other people in the space It's like one and done. See you later. Give me your affiliate link. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, you know, uh, you know, sort of this flash in the pan kind of I grab some money from the sponsorship and now I'm on my way. Like they don't really give back to their sponsors either. Um, And I feel like I feel like you do a really good job of that, I guess, is what I'm getting at.
0: Oh, well, thank you. One of my least favorite things I listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, one of my least favorite things I hear is when a host says all right, got to uh, thank a sponsor real quick. Like, we've got right. to thank a sponsor. Yes. Like, it's our, it's our obligation. And, you know, they're paying money that they don't have to be paying to, to sponsor whatever you're doing. Um, and I just, I just find it important to believe in the companies that are, are sponsoring the work that I do. Um, so I want to thank them in any way I can. Um, that's going to hopefully deliver some value to them. But the thing you have to do first is to believe in the companies themselves. And, you know, no company is perfect. They all make mistakes. And I've written positive and negative things about many of the companies that I'm uh, partners with. But I do believe at their core, all of them have close enough of a mindset of what, what running a WordPress business should look like To what I feel like it should be that I'm perfectly happy, um, you know, taking their money in support of what I'm doing and doing my best work to promote what they're doing, um, in an ethical way. And, I, I can't imagine doing it another way. I would just hate to just be like, all right, we're going to take a break now for uh, this undies advertisement. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, folks that have followed me for a while probably know that we did a, uh, when we started our own agency, we did a printed publication for uh local tourism to the South coast of Massachusetts. And one of the things mm-hmm. that, I mean, the major, the only, <laughs> the way that the thing was supported was through direct ad sales. And, uh you know here here you have a digital company pushing uh traditional uh ad buys in print publication um to a very very niche market in this area, tourism, which isn't huge, but you know this area used to be the number one uh whaling capital in the world, so that's like the only thing we still <laughs> hold on to around here uh, and some great beaches and some golf uh but anyway, that is to say that when folks did part with maybe six hundred bucks for a half page ad um you know we, we really we really number one appreciated that, but number two, we worked for them, and advertisers was a little mini network uh, of people that mm-hmm. that we could also do some B two B business building with. So if a plumber advertised for us, uh, we'd also let them know that the local, um, you know, one of the local hotels also advertised with us, and and maybe they need a new contract uh, work done for for plumbing in their hotel or whatever. So we worked hard. Um, to, co- to co-sponsor to and help build businesses. And I feel like, um, you know, that you do that uh, at, at Post status, and I feel like many of us should do that more and take care of our sponsors more um, because I think it's just the right thing to do and that's just a little, little diatribe on that. Um, do you feel successful with where you're at right now?
0: I mean, everybody always wants more. Um, so I wouldn't feel like my... Uh, appetite has been fully satiated. I think that's the right word. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like I'm I'm okay saying that I'm proud of of what I've built so far, and um, I'm more than that thankful that people have entrusted me with their hard-earned dollars um, just to send them content and create a place where they can have their water cooler conversations and things like that. I mean, I think that's amazing. Um, but I mean, no doubt I've got, I've got goals and I want more. Um, I want to, I want to have a broader reach. Um, I'd love to make a little more money. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> our family our just like anybody else where, uh, we've got, you know, student loans and mortgages and all those things that I'd love to pay off. Um, to be honest, if, if, if I erased every dollar of debt today, I'm not sure what my, uh, monetary goals would be then. Like, would I suddenly say like, okay, I'm cool making like less per month because I don't have these debts and just, let's just cover what it costs us to, to live a, uh, a small life in, in Birmingham, Alabama. I, I have no idea what my, what my feelings would be in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hate debt. I like, I don't even care if it's like relatively responsible debt, like a mortgage, you know, like. I just want it to go away. Right. Uh, <laughs> so the the quicker I can make those debts go away, the better. And I mean, we're so fortunate to not be in significant debt. Having some school loans um, from for my wife's uh, pharmacy stuff is really no big deal, considering that she's well compensated for for the debt that she took on. And then, you know, a mortgage is a a privilege to have in in many ways that we are able to own our own home. But I still want to get rid of them. You know right. i don't I don't like them right. Uh, I, I would like those things to be paid for. Um, so I mean, people have to define success for themselves, and I think it's important to define your own success beyond the m- monetary component of that. Um, and, yeah, I, I feel so far like it's successful, and I also feel like I have a lot of improvement to do. I'm probably uh, one of my bigger critics, I'm sure I got some pretty big critics out there that might compete with me. <laughs> nah. Uh, but, but I, I would love to deliver better content through the newsletter and I would love to deliver more consistent content. Um, you know, deliver it maybe at the same time, uh, instead of some days at like 3 PM and other days at 2 AM. Right. Uh, you know, there's all these goals and things that I'd like to do. And, uh, I'm not satisfied, but I do feel uh, privileged to be able to do what I'm doing. And I've definitely would say so far it feels successful.
1: Yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, that's great to hear. I, I think that it's it's funny. I, I bring up that. Qu- I, I always talk about I talk about success a lot in, in sort of defining your own success and sort of the, um, you know, the this sort of false reality that a lot of marketers put out there about success and how easy success is to come by, right? Um, Or allegedly how easy it is to come by. So they sort of paint this picture that you know all you have to do is this and you will achieve your goals because I feel like when people come to the internet and they say, I want to run my own business, they Google that, they search for that, they feel like they can just put these pieces of this blueprint together and they're pulling from blueprints from all over the place that are trying to put it together and like, if I just do this, I will be successful. Um, I harp on this a lot because I just I want people to realize that again, even in your situation, as you mentioned, you're doing this. I mean, since 2010, uh, this wasn't just the overnight sort of success and 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 the tracking of bringing an audience in and, and having these connections just didn't come overnight. That is not to say that somebody out there who's listening to this couldn't do what you did. Um, or do what you do even better. It's just, it's going to take some time. It's just not going to pop off and happen in a second. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, I'm sure some people can be much quicker in terms of how they get to market and do stuff, but I don't think that's the norm.
1: Right. I, um, I, I totally
0: agree. I can't, I have it on my mind. Uh, you, you're talking about success, and I think it's worth mentioning. One of the segments, especially in the WordPress world, that I'm most impressed by is people that consistently for years uh managed to stay in business in the consulting market because um you know you look at most companies that are doing some form of consulting and you think like man they've got 10 employees or however many or maybe it's just one person it doesn't matter like consulting is so hard because even when you're successful you're probably between one and three months of bad Uh, Incoming revenue from just going out of business completely (laughs) right right, (laughs) and uh, it's so hard and that's I have Incredible amounts of respect for people that are satisfied with the consulting business and manage to stay in business year after year It is an incredible feat and if that's not successful being in business and consulting for a considerable period of time Then I don't know what is because it is it is a tough tough business that I don't think I have the strength for um, I much prefer knowing there's a little bit of recurring revenue there and um, and I can screw up for a couple of months even and probably stay in business even if I lose some customers or whatever. Um, yeah, I, consulting people are just amazing to me.
1: I think I stole this line from you and maybe you stole this line from somebody else, but uh, in one of your podcasts you said – Uh, Every great agency is only one month away from bankruptcy, Uh, (laughs) or (laughs) at least something along uh, those lines. Uh, And you know, let me tell you. I mean, we've been doing it for eight years, and we have a small team. And I recently wrote about this. I'll just make a mental note to sort of write uh, link this up in the show notes. Is when somebody asks me if I felt successful, um, a lot of the times I say no, and a lot of the times it's for the same reasons that you mentioned. It's uh, you know you feel. successful or p- people look at you and they say, well, obviously uh, he or she is successful, but you're, you've got this desire to to do more, um, whether that's monetarily or just, uh, you know, getting more people to uh, impact more people, um, you know, and, and I feel the same way, like we're in this business of, man, it's tough. Uh, clients are tough. Agency work is tough. Product is tough. Marketing is tough, tough. But at the end of the day, you know, we are our own bosses or a collection of partners that are our own bosses and We are not doing <laughs> this manual labor very stressful mentally taxing But there could be worse things in life <laughs> to, be, oh, to be to be doing right um, You know, so so I say are, are you successful because I had this question asked to me yesterday uh, about, from an, a super successful person and they were like so how do you, you know I mentioned something like well You know success for me is right around the corner and he stepped back and he said, well, you, you don't think you're successful now. I look at you as successful. And it just made me pause and say, yeah, you're right. Like Sometimes we lose sight of this. Like I've been doing this, for, lucky to be doing this for eight years and still surviving. <laughs> uh, although it's never fun, uh, some months, like you said, the, the grind of find, finding more clients is, is definitely difficult. Uh, but it is successful to be, to be doing this for this long,
0: uh, you know, regardless. Balanc- yeah, balancing ambition with... Satisfaction is difficult, and yes. if you can't have some level of current satisfaction, then happiness will be hard to come by yes um, and yeah I mean it's just you have to be able to find contentedness and and satisfaction day to day and uh, Paul Jarvis said something recently that I really liked, and it was basically along the lines of how you know he's probably not going to accomplish some really big thing that that just blows up overnight and is wonderful um but he can try to do some little things day by day that over time build up to be a big thing um and i think that's that's a a, a great goal um to heart back just a minute on 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 what you were talking about with regards to you know consulting businesses go out of business just to give people some napkin math. i know people probably do consulting but just to remind ourselves, I guess, how hard it can be is let's say you have 10 employees and doing some bad napkin math. Um, it costs you maybe $10,000 per employee to stay in business. You have to book $100,000 a month to stay in business. So that doesn't actually not just book, you have to bring it in. So getting those invoices paid is part of the challenge. Yes, yes. And the up and down potential is so difficult. so If that 10-person agency has three project teams, then you have to bring in, say, three $30,000 projects a month to keep those people fed. And you have to do it month in and month out. Mm -hmm. And to be able to do that well is pretty amazing. I have a lot of respect for good managers, good salespeople, um, and people that keep those pipelines flowing.
1: One of the things that uh, Chris Lemon and I talked about in the recent episode that he was on was You know, again, sort of getting caught in the wheel and nothing against anybody who's putting the information out there or the training or the the other membership sites that exist about how to capture better clients. Hell, I'm guilty of it myself, writing about this kind of content on how to get the $10,000 client, the $50,000 client. But the one thing that sort of goes by the wayside is uh, the expectations of these clients or like you said, not only do you have to book this work. Hey, great. You landed a project. You landed your first $50,000 project. Awesome. Guess what? Have they sent you the $50,000 yet? And if so, you know, if not, when are they paying these invoices? Because the the difference of uh, just that element, right? So people go, oh, I just need to get bigger clients. I just need to get bigger dollar clients. What will happen is you're probably going into the more corporate world when you're doing that or an enterprise space or bigger business. Um, mm-hmm. Their expectation of paying you is not it's not oh here's the invoice I'll pay you tomorrow no 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 it has to go through accounting it has to get the approval it has to get you know stamped and sent out and mailed and verified and all this stuff and you're lucky if you're getting paid in 60 days which is a complete uh, surprise to the first comer to you know this kind of space and that, that's sort of one of those things that just because you're landing bigger business doesn't mean it's going to be better for your business um, you know you have to just be wary of all that stuff and be prepared for it for sure, sure.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, when I was working with Range, we were a pretty small team and doing pretty good-sized work, and we liked to specialize in being flexible to uh, demanding clients' timelines and whatnot. So it was always funny when you had a situation where you needed to start now, be done in a month, and it took about the time you're launching the project or ready to launch the project, the uh, down payment is coming through yep Yep. (laughs) uh you have to decide whether you're willing to take that risk or not and whether you're going to take that client at their word and maybe it's based on whether or not they've uh been you know a uh cooperative client before or whatever but it's tough you know um a lot of times if you have a demanding client and you want those big logos on your uh on your sales page (laughs) which may or may not have the value you think um if you're going to do that, you might have to deal with some crazy terms and and payment schedules and all sorts of stuff that uh, you probably don't have to to deal with as much on smaller dollar stuff. You know, one of the um, more successful freelancing things that I've done, I charged uh, like between 750 and 1500 dollars per site for about five or six websites that were very similar to one another. And my hourly rate, like effective based on the amount of work that I put into them, was probably higher than a lot of projects where I could do, uh, you know, maybe charge $10,000. Yes. Because I was in in that situation, I had a partner that I was working with where they were handling every client interaction and I never had feedback that I had to deal with. And I was just taking some assets and some information and creating these websites that were only taking you know, maybe three to eight hours a piece or whatever. So like, you can do the math. It's a couple hundred bucks an hour at the end of the day, right. which was great for seven hundred fifty dollars to fifteen hundred dollars websites. Yeah, and uh, you know, yeah. I, there are some fr- uh, freelancers, especially, do this, but there are some agencies too that specialize in being efficient at the lower end, which is, I mean, it's got so much value if you can do it securely and safely, um, if you can provide. A $1,500 website for somebody you're getting a, a business online that just doesn't have a $50,000 budget right and there you know there's something noble about that yes um, and you know I wouldn't discourage people from taking lower dollar projects I would encourage them to express the value that they're delivering to and to maintain their profits <laughs> while they're doing it you know don't don't do it for $10 an hour right. um, but if you can get somebody online in just a few hours, maybe it's you know using a tool like Conductor or something to be able to get more uh, fluid homepage layouts or whatever that if you were hand coding those would take a lot longer. And the client, you know, it gets the job done. You know, right. it, it gets them what they need. And if you can do that for a lower price, then that's awesome. Um, yeah, nobody should be ashamed of a fifteen hundred dollar client or whatever. Uh, I once joked about with you though about the Matt report drinking game of having to take a shot every time you said 500 bucks, <laughs> that uh, might be my lower limit. Five hundred's a, a, not a very high amount.
1: Yeah. 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 No, I mean, listen, amen, brother. I mean, amen to all that, especially of the conductor plug. I really like that. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, but, but seriously, like, you know, again, I grew up, uh, and my partners, my father, I mean, we grew up in car sales. He, he being in it way longer than I, I was, um, we do not shy away you know, you know anything less, I mean, you know, we're, we will take on a $3,500 job if we're going to be profitable with it, right? If we're going to be profitable with it and we have the bandwidth to do it, yes, we're going to do it. But at the same time, we're, you know, we're working on $70,000 jobs. And it's just like, look, we don't shy away from stuff that, one, we know we can be profitable with and we can really provide value to our customer. If we can really support them and get it going and we're profitable, we're going to take it. Because we're not stupid, we know. Here comes the summertime. Here comes sixty days worth of nobody doing anything because everybody's on vacation, and then we've got two months before, you know, or two or three months before start people start going on holiday vacation again. Um, mm. You know, and then uh, you know, just being ready for these seasons. Uh, product too, product too. Um, oh yeah, seasonality
0: is huge, and uh, yeah, a lot of uh, post ads members have been talking about that recently with slow summer sales, and then it happens again a lot of times around the holidays. Um, You just got to work through it and, you know, discover those patterns and prepare for them. I think Curtis McHale does a great job with this. He tends to see a lot of his income in the first half of the year. Yes. So once he learned that lesson, he started planning. And, you know, you don't pay yourself every dollar you get in in the first half of the year. You hold some of that back so you can pay yourself later. I run into the same thing. You know, I get those uh, checks from partners um, early in the year because that's when I launched. And – those don't come in for the rest of the year, so my bank account balance in my business account is a lot higher in you know January, February, March than it is in November, December. Right. Um, but you you learn and you you figure out how things are set up and 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 you account for that. This has been an amazing episode, Brian. What is next
1: for PostAs? I know I'm going to see you probably in Boston, right, sometime this year soon-ish.
0: I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll be in Boston for uh, WordCamp. Uh, Boston in July and I'm going actually in part to prepare for a day of rest uh, Day of rest HM is the name. I'm partnering with Humanmade to put on a conference about the rest API um, and it, that is going to be in Boston uh, October 27th through the 29th, so if people are interested in the rest API uh, That can be my non post plug for the day um, so I'm really excited about both of those events in Austin, in Boston my first trips to Boston as well. We'll welcome um, you with
1: open arms for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then if you get this out before WordCamp Europe, I'll be at WordCamp Europe and I'm really happy I'm going to be able to do a, uh, a business panel. And also I'll be interviewing Matt Mullenweg for 30 minutes during his keynote. So I'm really excited about that.
1: Don't throw any softballs, sir. Don't throw any softballs. We'll have a good time. All right. <laughs> uh, PostStatus, anything, uh, anything for that? Where can folks find that? Where can they sign up? Uh, where can they post to the job board? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: PostStatus.com is the website. PostStatus.com slash club is where you can join. Uh, there is a podcast. I don't know if it's the number one business WordPress podcast. I think, mm-hmm. uh, I think a guy named Matt Maderos mm-hmm. makes that claim. Uh, but I think our podcast is pretty good. Uh, Joe Hoyle. Is the CTO and co-owner of Human Made. He's my co-host. And uh, we chat about all things WordPress. We usually take on one topic per week and just kind of go from there. Um, yeah, so go to those places. And, uh, you know, just maybe by the time this is published, there will be a job board. So sure, why not? Go to com slash jobs and we'll see if I can... Hold up my end of the bargain. <laughs> this I've, is go, this I've is been told about this for a year. <laughs> this is going out next week, so
1: I doubt it, unless you've already got it under, <laughs> unless you're uncovering it at WordCamp Europe. Uh, uh, we'll see. Uh, Brian, great episode. Everybody else, mattreport.com slash subscribe. It's the number one way to stay connected. You can subscribe to the show, subscribe to the newsletter, uh, which finally went out yesterday after a hiatus of about seven months since the last time I sent an email. And oh, by the way, real talk, real talk for marketers. I lost 35 subscribers when I did that. (laughs) So get ready for the mental struggle uh, of, of newsletter marketing and email marketing and all that fun stuff. Check out the new venture. It's PluginTut.com. It's your home for handcrafted WordPress plugins and Plugged In Radio, a new podcast. You can find that in iTunes and Google Play. Just search for Plugged In Radio. We'd love to get a five-star review there as well. Until next time, thanks, everybody. All right, sir. Beautiful hey, thanks stuff. Thanks for having me.